Southern Man. That means we're awaiting uh, Chris Jones, our headliner of the day. Uh, Elks head coach and GM were just uh, in the process of uh, hooking up with uh, Chris. Uh, you know what? He's been very gracious with his time on Sports 1440. This would be his third interview uh, with us on the Kevin Carey Show on uh, Sports 1440. So we thank uh, Chris for coming in uh, all the time uh, as uh, the Duke is just uh, awaiting Chris to call in. Uh, 37-29, the Elks lose on Friday night to the BC Lions. Lions did an, just an exceptional job of game planning, and containing Trey Ford, who really was running wild in his previous games, uh, didn't really have a whole lot of rushing yards on Friday against the Lions. 43 yards, and a lot of that was late in the game as the uh, BC Lions defense really uh, contained Ford. He threw for uh, 182 yards in the air, had a couple of touchdowns, but uh, BC really... I mean, BC was the better team. We know BC is a better team than the Elks are. Uh, BC well over 400 yards of offense. Uh, Vernon Adams Jr. was very good again. Uh, the Lions' defense was uh, phenomenal, really, when you think about it. Up front, um, Matthew Betts was just a, an absolute buzzsaw everywhere on the field. And you know what? Uh, he wasn't on the field that the one drive where the Elks uh, kind of had a successful drive and put it in the end zone later in the game. But Matthew Betts was just a, an amazing, amazing player on Friday night. Uh, time now for our headliner of the day, and it is brought to you by Mr. Reuter. Uh, they are sports fans like all of our listeners and are pumped. Sports Talk Radio is back for all your plumbing needs. You can go to Mr. Reuter. As we welcome in Edmonton Elks head coach and Chris Jones to the program. Uh, Coach, thanks once again for uh, guesting with us uh, on a bye week. Uh, Just after looking at the game film from Friday night, uh, did you see anything that you didn't see with your eyeballs on Friday? Uh, Well, we just made too many mistakes early on. You know, we spotted them 21 there early. Um, I say spotted them. I mean, you got to give them all the credit in the world. I mean, they did what they needed to do to score 20 points, 21 points in the first. And it was just hard to make up that, uh, you know, that was the difference in the game. You know, when we started, uh, had some back and forth play in the second half, uh, we just, you know, we couldn't close the gap from the first quarter. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. a lot of people talk about the Lions game plan and what they did to kind of contain Trey Ford. What did you see there? Or was it a case of your team just not executing to the level that you wanted to? Well, I mean, you got, like I say, I mean, uh, they did some real nice things. They've got some very fast players. They did a nice job of containing Trey. Uh, he had a couple opportunities to go ahead and, and take off and run, you know, to the perimeter. And I think he, he, saw some people flash open late and so he looked up to try to throw and um but like i say i mean you gotta give them all the credit in the world i mean nobody's been able to contain him yet and they did a nice job of keeping him uh, up inside were, were there a lot of designed plays for trey ford to run the ball or was it more just jailbreak with him in this game no i mean he uh he got a lot of penetration he missed some he missed a couple reads here or there and and pull the ball down early to to try to you know use his legs like he normally does and betray and and uh, unfortunately uh, those didn't work out for us this time. What was it about the the Lions defense that kind of kept coming in layers? Uh, you know their D line did a good job, but then their linebackers seemed to be in in good position wherever and whenever Trey wanted to take off. 
Well, they did the same thing Calgary did. I mean, they didn't they didn't rush up the field and stay behind him. They stayed at the line of scrimmage level or right at his level, and then they had a guy spying him, uh, 46, I think it was. You know, I mean, he did the same thing Cameron Judge did, and uh, and like I say, they just executed it a little bit better. Uh, what did you make of the play of uh, Lions defensive end Matthew Betts, who was a one-time um, green and golder? Yeah, he's a good player. I mean, you know, you can look at the stat page and figure out he's a pretty good player, and he used to be here. Mm-hmm. Um, I, this is before your time, but, I mean, do you? what did you think of him as a player when he was here to where he has, you know, improved to where he just looked like a, a, just a total beast on Friday night? Yeah, he's a, he's a good player. Uh, you know, the year prior to us getting here, he had zero sacks, mm-hmm. and uh, he's certainly improved from that point. Yeah, he has for sure. Uh, Canadian to boot. Kevin Brown uh, had some very good success rushing the ball in previous games. What was it about Friday night that uh, Kevin Brown just couldn't get on track? Well, uh, again, when you get down 20 to nothing, you know, or 21 to nothing, uh, it's it's hard to continue to hand the ball off. Mm-hmm. We tried to get him some screens. They did a real nice job of, of cutting up the front, which made it a little harder for the lanes to get out. And, uh, you know, like I say, I mean, when you're, when you're down uh, like we were uh, early on in the game, it's tough to continue to hand the ball off. you got to press the ball down the field. So basically 100% game, game script uh, for Kevin Brown? What's that? I'm like, sorry. You know, like game script. As you said, you were down early and it was hard to kind of, uh, you know, to keep handing him the ball off. So just on game script uh, for Kevin Brown? Yeah, I mean, he's a, he's a running back. Mm-hmm. So you want to yeah. hand the football off, you know, when you've got the lead or when you're ahead. Uh, it's tough when you're, you know, two scores down. You, you've got to have more passes. And like I say, we had some screens in the in the game plan for him, which essentially are – uh, you know, long handoffs, and so, uh, but unfortunately, uh, we didn't get Kevin going. Um, Chris Jones, uh, coach GM of the Edmonton Elks, is our guest on the Kevin Carey Show, Sports fourteen forty. What did you make of your defensive lines play uh, in that game against the Lions? No, we didn't play near good enough. Uh, again, we we lost our gap credibility twice, which resulted in two long runs. Which, again, uh, we we kept. Vernon contained for the most part, but unfortunately uh, we lost contain one time and allowed him out of the pocket. And then there late in the game, we didn't squeeze the A gap. And, uh, you know, he, he was able to run and, and gain a first down. Still made him punt, but we lost about a minute and a half on the clock. Mm-hmm. Um, Jake Sresna had a couple of sacks. Did you like the pressure that he got on Vernon Adams? He played okay. Yeah. He played okay. Didn't play great. Uh, you know, I thought... Uh, you know, he's uh, he, he. You know, we've just got to have great play out of mm-hmm. our great players. You know, and uh, and he and he's played good. He played good. Don't get me wrong. And on the stat page, it may look like he played great, but yeah. again, after you ask after watching the film, what I saw, and so that's not something I wouldn't tell Jake. I mean, <laughs> we've got to have great play out of him, and we've got to have great play out of him in the next three weeks. Uh, so your team is on a bye week uh, this week. So what did you say to the team kind of as everyone goes their, I don't know, separate ways for a few days to kind of get a little R&R? What's the message from uh, the coaching staff and you uh, heading into some time off here? 
Well, it was our fourth game in 19 days and our third game in 15 days. So I told the kids, I mean, we've got a lot of young guys that have never been through anything like this before. Most of the rookies, you know, they play, you know, 11, 12 games, and that's about it Mm -hmm. uh, down south. And so they've played more football than they've ever played in their life. So we got to get them away from it. We had four, you know, pretty significant injuries. Uh, It's something that I hope we as a league look at is the short weeks uh, because we've had – you know, like six injuries in the last two weeks on these short weeks, it's just, it makes it tough. And, uh, you know, I told them to get away from it, you know, get with the trainers, you know, rest their, their legs and and their bodies and come back ready to ready to work because we've got three, three games left and certainly we're not riding anything in. Can you um, uh, give us a little detail on the health of your team with the the injuries? Where are you at with that uh, in that sense? Yeah, our you know our Marshall Lewis, our field corner, he's going to be out for the season. Uh, one of our best special teams, our special teams captain uh, Scott Hutter, he's going to be out for the season. Um, and so we've got to we've got to find replacements for those. Uh, Niles Morgan. Uh, he's, he suffered a, you know, a hamstring, I think it was. And so he's, uh, he's questionable whether he's going to make it back or not. We'll have to just take it week by week. Um, so those are the three significant ones, you know, on special teams and, uh, and defense, which, which is very concerning. What about, uh, yeah, Scott Hutter's a big, big loss because he's sort of like a, a Swiss army knife for you in, in several phases. Uh, what can you do to kind of, um, replace him a little bit? Well, Jake did a real nice job the other night coming in. Uh, I thought he played really good for his first game to ever get to play defense. He's a local kid, and yeah. he played really, really well. And so, uh, again, we're going to miss Hutter, but you know what? We've got to, you know, we've got to coach these other guys up, and and uh, they've got to show up and play uh, solid football for us down the stretch. Yeah, just to let our listeners know a little bit about Jake and how he's kind of adjusted coming in as a you know, fairly high draft pick for you, and how he's kind of absorbed the CFL game in the early stages of his career yeah we we uh we took him with the uh they they have a you know a local pick you know for the team that uh that's able to uh that's that gets that pick every year we got that that pick this year and so jake's come in and done a really nice job for us he's a he's a great physical athlete and uh you know we've we've utilized him on special teams all year long he's done a pretty nice job and and uh, he's learned from from day one till now. It's like night and day compared to where he was. And uh, he got put in a real tough situation the other night early on when when Hutter went down, and then we lost our corner. We had to move Luches to uh, yeah. fill corner, and uh, so that made Jake have to come in and, and not only play four special teams but play about 40 plays of defense yeah of course we're talking about jake taylor uh from beaumont uh, played at the university of alberta with the golden bears so um what do you do as a coaching staff as you've I've, you've told me a hundred times uh, chris there are no days off uh, there are no bye weeks for the coaches so what do you do uh, i guess uh, for yourself personally uh in this week uh, where the players are off yeah i mean uh, i'm here you know, uh, I don't necessarily have any straight schedule or anything. I ex- have expectations out of nothing but just go watch film and go do some personnel stuff, watch some highlights and watch some, you know, PFF on some players from down the States. And uh, and then essentially that's what I do, just try to, try to remain productive and figure out, 
you know, one or two or three things that we can do over the next few weeks to make us a better football team. So the next game is in uh, Toronto, very tough opponent. Uh, the Argonauts uh, probably the class of the league right now at 12-1. and one. Um, Just touch on that, uh, that game, the preparation going into the Argos on uh, Friday night, October 6th. Yeah, well, we've got to do a better job in the run game than we did the other night. Uh, we've got to tackle better than we did the other night. We've got to give better effort defensively than we did the other night. Um, you know, and if we do that, then we, we force them to play left-handed. You know, we've got to hide our signals. They do a great job of stealing signals and, and uh, you know, making calls that uh, that they see uh, are good against that type of cover. So we got to do a great job of making sure that we conceal our signals and, and, uh, and then just play – play good solid football on the offensive side we've got mm-hmm. a, we've got ourselves run the football better than we did the other night we've got to get in second and manageable for a young quarterback and then uh, certainly they've got a, a great returner so we've got to keep him uh keep him corralled hey uh, chris thanks for doing this appreciate your time again and hey uh, you got to head uh, to century vision get those uh, maui gems big guy you got a bye week here now you can zip <laughs> in there get those maui gems from Doctor yeah, Scott Lopet, yeah, get him from Doctor Scott Lopetinsky. <laughs> Look good, feel good, play good, right? There, there we go. <laughs> hey, I appreciate it. Thank, thanks uh, for having me on this morning. All right, thank you. That's our headliner of the day for Mister Reuter. There's a reason they call them Mister for all your plumbing needs. Go to MrRuter.ca. Elks head coach and GM uh, Chris Jones, and yeah, that's the third time that Chris has been on with us, and uh, you know we really appreciate the fact that. Uh, uh, the Elks uh, line him up for us, and uh, he comes on and uh, kind of. It's been a tough season. We all know that. Uh, four and eleven um, in Toronto, Argos uh, with just one loss on the season. But uh, also wanted to mention our, our plumbing tip of the day for Mister Ruder: uh, seal gaps and cracks in your home's exterior to prevent cold drafts from affecting pipes. Are you, you going to be doing that, uh, Duke? Or? Well, I mean, you have to. Once again, it seems like we uh, always, or I end up always linking these back to, you know, tales from the farm. Like yes. the, in, in the old, uh, the trailer that I grew up in, a sub, like just uh, a nice little double wide, like the one side of the house that faces the north, that cold wind coming through, we got to stack yeah. small square bales of straw there to ins- extra insulation on the house because there's nothing worse, especially growing up, like morning of high school, you come in, oh, well, I can't have a shower before going to school because the pipes in the house are all frozen. So uh, avoid doing that, like you said, to get Mr. Reuter out and, and uh, check everything out, seal all those gaps and cracks so you're you not, have to. Uh, not left out in the cold uh, come wintertime. Some here. guy came up to me, at, uh, I was at the supermarket, and he goes, hey, I really appreciate those tips uh, for, you know, Winterizing. I think he was talking about the uh, the one day when we were talking about uh, the exterior hoses and your faucets. Get those uh, shut off here. And it's going to get cool in the next little bit. Uh, when we come back, uh, we will check in with Cam Lewis from Blue Jays Nation. That's coming up on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. All right, welcome back to the big program. Uh, 920 in the capital region. Looking for a high of about 2021 today. Decent day. It was great yesterday. Uh, golfed again. Got pounded again. Uh, man, it's just been a tough year, Duke. And uh, there were no club tossing. I was I was composed, but it was okay. Uh, big weekend for the Toronto Blue Jays. Went into uh, Tampa Bay and uh, took two out of three from the Rays. And let's bring in Cam Lewis from Blue Jays Nation. Cam, welcome to Sports 1440. How are you this morning? 
I'm fantastic. How are you doing? Oh, great day. Great day. And looking forward to, I guess, the final week of the season here. Blue Jays with the day off today, then uh, have uh, six games left, three against the Yankees, three against Tampa Bay. But what did you make of their series, uh, taking two out of three uh, in Tampa Bay, a very, very tough opponent? Yeah, that's a, it's a pretty significant win for the Jays. I mean, if not for a Jordan Romano crack nail blown save on Saturday, that could have been a sweep for the Blue Jays in Tampa Bay, which, I mean... That's something that never happens. Even when the Rays were the Tampa Bay Devil Rays in the late 90s and early 2000s, the Jays had a difficult time at the trough. That's just the way it's gone. And it's, it, it seemed like a real um, point being proved by the Blue Jays this weekend. I mean, a lot can change in the next week. A lot can change in October, of course. But the Jays showed a different version of their team in Tampa mm-hmm. than the one we've seen before, the one that struggles to face the American League East, the one that struggles to play big teams, you know, the series where Texas came into town and swept all four games. Starting to wonder now if that was maybe a blessing in disguise for the Jays. It might have woken them up a little bit. It's a very, very fair comment for sure, as uh, Cam Lewis is our guest on the Kevin Carey Show, Sports 1440. Uh, The offense really this year has been struggling, to say the least, at very, well, critical times. I mean, that that series against uh, uh, Texas is a prime, prime example, but we did see a lot of uh, offensive uh, kind of uh, bright lights uh, this last weekend. Uh, do you think this is kind of coming around finally, the offense? I think so. I mean, it's the, 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 the frustrating and the puzzling thing about the Jays is, I mean, they're, they're built to be a pitching and defense run prevention team. They're built. That's how they're going to find success. But on paper, they do have a good lineup. There's a lot of good players there. George Springer, Vladdy, mm-hmm. and Bo at the top of the lineup. Um, I, to varying different degrees, those three guys, I mean, Bo's probably been the best of the three, but to varying degrees, those three guys haven't necessarily been as good as you'd expect this year. And as kind of circling back to the last comment I made, uh, since the Texas series, it really feels like those three guys have been bearing down and having way better at bats than the ones we were seeing in August and the early part of September. And then there's other players, too, who are really stepping up. Look at Kevin Biggio batting fourth now in the cleanup spot. Mm-hmm. And he's the perfect guy now to have behind Vladdy because he never swings at bad pitches. You know, three months ago, if you had said Kevin Biggio was going to be batting cleanup for the Blue Jays, everybody would have laughed and thought the season had gone sideways and they were raising the white flag. But he's fit perfectly into that role. And it looks like the bats are finally coming around, which is, this is the best time for it to happen. Uh, because the pitching's been very good all season long, and um, I think everything is kind of uh, pointed in the the same direction there. Uh, the pitching hasn't really fallen off. There was maybe a little week there, about a week where it was a little bit suspect, but I think it's back to where it was. Um, and you mentioned this could have easily, not easily, because you never know what's going to happen in in, a, in the third game, but uh, you mentioned Jordan Romano on, on Saturday with the blown save. Um, is John Schneider, is it fair to give him criticism to keep Romano in the game at that point? It's hard to say. I'm kind of half and half on that one because, of course, after the game it comes out and, well, also during the broadcast, it was Mm -hmm. clear Romano kept looking at his finger, so it was obvious something was going on. They say after the game he's got a cracked fingernail, but he said that that wasn't an issue. It's just it wasn't his day and he wasn't able to execute his pitches. His velocity was there, so I guess that's fine, but... Schneider's comment afterwards was that this is your closer. This is somebody you've got to trust to get through these situations. Maybe if he had brought in Tim Mesa to face the lefty Josh Lowe, then maybe the Jays would have won the game. But 
I do kind of wonder what that does to the psyche of your closer. Maybe um, pulling him out of that situation, you know, a week before the playoffs start and you get in his head that, hey, maybe I'm not able to get the job done. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's the best idea. It was, an, it was an unfortunate loss, but maybe pulling Romano out of that situation might have had bigger ramifications for the Blue Jays long term. Uh, Cam Lewis from Blue Jays Nations, our guest on uh, Kevin Carey Show Sports 1440. Was it a, oh man, Vladimir Guerrero, two home runs. He's been very quiet most of the season, but uh, maybe he has turned it around, maybe heading into the final week of the season? He certainly looks like a different hitter, and I mean, it's it's impressive what he's done in the past, you know, week or two, given that in that series against New York at Yankee Stadium, it, it looked pretty clear that he was dealing with um, some kind of knee issue. He plays the first game, goes 0 for 5, uh, reaches base and then is pulled for a pinch runner at the end of that game and then misses the next two and he's mostly DHing since mm-hmm. then. So, I mean, the fact that his swing seems to be coming around despite the injury or the apparent injury is a positive. I think this all kind of circles back to the Blue Jays are recognizing now that they're late in the season, there isn't much time left, there's no room for error, they've got to lay it all out in the field right now. And I think you're seeing a lot of guys who are banged up who are having a hard time during the dog days of summer when you're, you know, in mid-August and you're still seeing the calendar with a month and a half, two months left. Mm-hmm. But now that they're kind of winding down to the end, it looks like the Jays are they're, they're really laying it all out on the field here. Toronto Blue Jays with a record of 87-69, and 69, two games clear of Houston uh, for the second wild card. Houston is sitting in the third wild card. Seattle, all of a sudden, lo- losers of three in a row. Texas has won five in a row to move into first place in the American League uh, West Division ahead of Houston. Astros have lost three in a row, but these teams are playing themselves and kind of cannibalizing themselves when you look at the, how the, the jockeying for position goes. If the Jays continue where they are, I, I, I even think if they can even go three and three, I think they make it because of these other teams playing each other. Um, how do you see things shaking down with these other teams? Um you know, jockeying for position, so to speak, in the AL wild card. Yeah, I think you're right when you say three and three probably gives them about a 99% chance of getting in. They'd need the, if they do three and three, then every other game between the Rangers, the Astros, the Mariners, whoever would have to go against the Blue Jays in order for the Toronto to wind up missing out. The way things are going right now is that it kind of looks like the Jays are playing so well that they're going to wind up in the second wild card mm-hmm. spot. Whereas previously the talk was always about, oh yeah, you want to finish number three and then go up against whoever wins the American League Central, which is obviously the worst division in the American League. But given the way that the Jays just played Tampa, they they, they looked quite good. And I mean, mm-hmm. given the way the Minnesota Twins have been playing recently, um, that looked like a team that was just kind of making the playoffs by default. But their pitching staff's really strong, and they can they've got big bats too. They can hit a lot of home runs, and I'm not sure that. Going into Minnesota for like a three-game playoff series played outside when it's cold, an October day in Minnesota, that might not be the best play for the Jays. It's, given the way this weekend went, um, maybe Tampa's the right move. Yeah, I mean, Minnesota can fire out three pretty decent pitchers in in Lopez uh, and, uh, and Ryan and Gray. Uh, is there a team that you think matches up better for the Jays in a short series? I, um, I, I wouldn't have said this, to be honest with you. I wouldn't have said this even a week ago, but just that series with Tampa, I think you look kind of at their lineup and 
that's a team that hits lefty pitching quite well. Like you saw, they, you know, they had a really easy time hitting Yusei Kikuchi. They scored four runs in the first inning off of Hyunjin Ryu. Those were two of the worst starts we've seen from those two guys in the last little while. But the, the Rays don't have that many left-handed bats, so they don't necessarily do all that well against righty starters. And the Jays can line things up to go Gosman, Barrios, and Bassett in a three-game set against the Rays. And I think they would have the pitching advantage there. I think it's, it sounds crazy to say, but it does actually look like the Rays are the better matchup for the Jays than Minnesota right now. And uh, as we speak uh, with uh, Cam Lewis from Blue Jays Nation, what what have you made about the, the two left-handers now that the Jays can fire out in Kikuchi and, and Ryu? That's another thing, too, is if you're in a three-game series against the Rays, then maybe a Kikuchi works. I mean, think about last year. He, he, he was put to the bullpen last year because he was pitching poorly. And when he was moved to the bullpen, he actually became a decent weapon for the Jays in that role. And when you have a three-game series and you're going to go righty, righty, righty with um, Gosman, Barrios, Bassett, you can afford to put both of them in situations where they can come out of the bullpen and face, relief, or face, face batters in like a short stint where they can do well. And I think that ultimately just further adds to the pitching depth. The Jays have a very deep bullpen. And then in a three-game series, you essentially just take Kikuchi and Ryu. I think Kikuchi suits the bullpen better because of his velocity but you take those mm-hmm. two and put them in the pen, it becomes even deeper. Uh, as we guess with uh, Cam Lewis from Blue Jays Nation, uh, I just kind of wanted to go around the league a little bit um, and maybe just focus a little bit on the National League just because of the fact of the outstanding season the Atlanta Braves are having. Would you say that this is the team to beat without question moving? Uh, and, I mean, L.A. Dodgers, everyone seems to think that the whoever wins the National League uh, will come out as World Series champion. Do you agree with that? I don't know. It's hard to say. There's a, there's a lot of interesting teams in the mix. I mean, it's, it's hard to bet against the Braves, given the year they've had. It's also hard to bet against the Dodgers, too, because, you know, they're in the mix every single year, pretty much. But I think in the American League, the Baltimore Orioles have had a fantastic season. They look like the best team in the AL, but it's hard to look at their pitching staff and think that can hold up through October. Mm-hmm. But people have been saying that about them all year, and they haven't fallen off a cliff yet. So... I mean, it's really hard to say. I think it's a really open field. I, I, I had thought um, maybe a week or so ago that the Houston Astros could be an under-the-radar team, just sneak into the playoffs. They've got that great pitching. They've got all that experience. But as of right now, it looks like they might not even get in, considering they were just swept by the Kansas City Royals. So I do think, I think you're right, uh, the Atlanta Braves look like the team to beat. But, I mean, the Jays swept Atlanta earlier in the season, so... You never know. Anything can happen. October mm-hmm. baseball is impossible to predict. Individually, how would you rank the season Ron Cunha Jr. is having? Um, <laughs> 336 batting average. He's got 40 home runs. He's going to have, I would imagine, 70 steals. He's at 68 right now. Where would you rank this season uh, as far as incredible, outstanding seasons in the history of the game? It's definitely up there with uh, one of the most incredible seasons I've seen in my lifetime. I still think seeing Shoei Otani produce mm-hmm. MVP caliber batting along with, you know, number two starter pitching is, is mind-numbingly insane. But from, from Acuna's standpoint, I think it's cool to see a player with that, mu- that, that many stolen bases in a season now because, I mean... In, in, in the past 10 or, 10 or so years, baseball has become so much less, you know, bunting and mm-hmm. moving the runners over and stealing bases and playing small ball. 
and it's become so much more, you know, everyone throws 100 miles an hour, everyone can hit a home run, and that's kind of what the game's become. And then they make the rule changes this year. Bigger bases, get rid of the shift. We're trying to have more balls and play more action. And then Acuna comes out and has this season. So I think the season that he's having is pretty much exactly what Major League Baseball was hoping for when they made those rule changes. He's a really exciting guy on the bases. He's a very fun player to watch, and that's that's ultimately what they're looking for. He, he is a fun player to watch for sure, and especially after uh, knee surgery coming back and uh, being able to to run the bags like he has been is just phenomenal. So the Blue Jays uh, have three at home to the New York Yankees, so it'll be Gosman tomorrow after a day off today, then uh, Jose Barrios on Wednesday, and then Chris Bassett on um, Thursday how do you see this kind of series shaping up? I mean, the Yankees, a total disappointment this season, have ton of, tons of injuries. Their pitching staff was decimated. Luis Saravino was horrible, awful. Um, but how do you see this kind of series shaping up? Uh, for the Jays, I mean, they can make their lives pretty easy in the last weekend if they just go ahead and take care of business against the Yankees. Like you said earlier, it's, if, if it's 3-3 three and three for the Jays, there's like a 99% mm-hmm. chance they're going to go in. So... If they can sweep the Yankees here at home, then, I mean, you you're pretty much don't have to. You definitely don't have to go hard this weekend when you're hosting Tampa Bay. You can give some guys some rest. You can say, for example, Brandon Belt's been on the injured list for yeah. a while. You can bring him back and give him a bunch of at-bats to see if he can play well in the playoffs. You can move your pitchers around to change the rotation if you want, give some relievers some rest. Uh, so I think for the Jays, you look at this Yankees series, that's, a team that just got mathematically eliminated. They have nothing left to play for. Go ahead and kick the door down, sweep them at home, and then you can take it easy on the weekend. Yeah, for sure. And, um, I mean, Michael King uh, gets the ball for the Yankees tomorrow. He had, uh, I think, what do you have, 12 or 13 Ks against uh, the Jays last week. So coming out of the bullpen to be a starter, uh, he's kind of been stretched out a little bit. Be interesting to see what he does. Uh, as for the Jays, just don't pitch to Aaron Judge. Is it that simple? I, I mean, Glaber Torres is having an okay season uh, for the Yankees, but uh, I don't think there's anyone else on that roster right now that kind of scares you. So why even pitch to Judge, I guess? Yeah, pretty much. I mean... <laughs> That's that's how I feel whenever the Jays play the Yankees. Is every time I see Aaron Judge come up, I'm just like, ball four, let him go to yeah. first base. Nope, nobody else here is hitting. Like Stanton's supposed to be the guy behind him who's uh, protecting him in the lineup, and he's batting below the Mendoza line, and yeah. it's almost an automatic double play every time. So, yeah, just don't pitch to Judge, and you should be fine. And I mean, they're they're playing their their kids as well. Austin Wells at catcher. I mean, his defensive skills aren't uh, at the major league level yet. Uh, I mean, they've got some younger guys in the outfield that aren't even probably major league ready, like uh, uh, Esteban Florial and guys like that. But uh, anyway, uh, really appreciate your time, Cam. Uh, Thanks for coming on tonight. Enjoy the final uh, six games down the stretch here. And as we head into the playoffs, hopefully the Jays can have a, a good little run here. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. All right. That's Cam Lewis from Blue Jays Nation. Jays taking on the Yankees tomorrow for a three-game set in Toronto. And then uh, the Tampa Bay Rays in Toronto for three more to close out the season. When we come back, it'll be a little uh, Duke time. Talk a little NFL, maybe some farming stories, whatever you want, Duke. It's all you, baby. Uh, That's the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. All right, welcome back to the big program coming up to 940. Uh, Kind of fitting, Duke, that you would play a little rodeo uh, because the Edmonton Pro Rodeo is coming up. Um, 
later this week, uh, and we will have, uh, hopefully, I think we might have a guest in studio on Wednesday, uh, just kind of working that out as well still. Um, Quinn Phillips, an old colleague of mine, has sent me an email to kind of get things rolling, and that would probably be the only thing she's done for about a week, because doesn't do a lot. She's doesn't, she never did a lot at Global either. So, But we will probably hook up with Quinn to get some more information on that subject. Uh, you like the rodeo? I love the rodeo. Yeah, I, yeah. I love it. Yeah, it, it, uh, I'm hoping to see if I may be able to sneak out uh, for one, at least one of the performances of the mm-hmm. upcoming Edmonton Pro Rodeo this coming weekend. Uh, I love to go. It's, it's fun to get out there with a couple friends, you know, have a few drinks, yeah. uh, maybe hit up the cabaret afterward. <laughs> wow, that that's always maybe. That's always a good time. Uh, go spin a few birds around and, and see what you can uh, come up with by the end of the night. About, uh, I think, around 1977. <clears throat> I was in the Kennedy Rodeo in Saskatchewan uh, as a young boy in the Wild Pony Chase or whatever they what do they call it? What's the exact? Uh, well, there so there is the Wild Pony Races. That's yeah. a popular one. Uh, there's Wild Cow Milking. That's one I've participated in uh, before. You've the done that one. Famous El Norris Brahmarama. Um, that's um, a, that one's dangerous, uh, but they're all dangerous. It's that it's, was. It's crazy that they get people just out of the bleachers to come and do these things, uh, and you basically sign your life away when you put your name on the waiver. But if you win, you get like two hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. Like it's not even worth it, really. There were three of us that, uh, and we were all kids, and we had to grab the pony coming out of the chute to give him the little zapper, you know, on the butt to get him going. And uh, it was just—I was like a deer in the headlights. That thing was coming at me. I was getting the hell out of there for sure. Um, but rodeo coming up this weekend uh, and CFR. I mean, that's in Red Deer, and we're only like, what are we at? About uh, a little month and a half from CFR. It's always yeah, if, not even yeah, right. Start yeah, November. There, always so. in November. I really miss when the rodeo was at uh, at Rexall. Mm. Uh, just in, we used to do live hits down there. Um, so many um, uh, generational, um, like uh, passing on from generation to generation. Like Roddy Hay, then now uh, then his son Dawson Hay. Um, you know, such a great uh, rider as well. Um, the Bulls, everyone loves the Bulls, obviously. They had an event, you know, they, and then the PBR has been coming to, to Rogers and things like that. But years ago, they had uh, Cody uh, Snyder was involved in bull busting. And that was another ma- major event that, you know, our city is so good at putting on these events. So um, rodeo is, it's, it's such a... Uh, I mean, the, the the people, they're just, I mean, they're so passionate, down to earth. Uh, they're just like you do. I mean, you should have been, like, come on. You, you'd be, you got the, the, you know, the makeup for a bull rider, no? Yeah, I'm short. Uh, that's a, that's <laughs> one good prerequisite for that or a jockey. But no, a good friend of mine uh, growing up, I mean, we, we played sports growing up, hockey, and we had a couple friends that were playing minor hockey with us. They, like, stopped playing minor hockey to, to do rodeo more full-time over the course of the uh, the winter and stuff whether just be mm-hmm. going to ropings or some indoor um bucking events and things and my good friend and i as we like moved away out of the small town into the city here for for post-secondary we kind of think like we should have been cowboys instead because like we're not doing anything playing hockey but at least if we'd been like some part-time cowboys that's a little bit better of a thing to uh you know whisper in a girl's mm-hmm. ear at the bar on a friday <laughs> night is, is say you take him out to the ranch and take him roping and riding and like we had horses and stuff at the farm my sisters grew up riding the, the horses were never my cup of tea i prefer to be on the atv to uh wrangle up the kettle but 
yeah, life as a cowboy, it uh, it can serve you pretty well. Hard on the body, though. If you would like to see the Duke on a bowl at the upcoming Edmonton Rodeo, shoot us off a text, one 401 Text coming in uh, from Mark. Uh, hey, Kevin, I was at the Oilers game last night. Evan Bouchard was the worst defenseman. Uh, Bo Aiky was great. Uh, Darnell Nurse needed to dominate last night, and he didn't. Uh, that comes in from Mark. First game of the preseason. Uh, I think we have to temper all of our excitement. I mean, Oilers play again tonight uh, in Winnipeg, but uh, I know I, I just I, the passion that fans have for this team. It'll it'll never never ceases to amaze me. Uh, just love that people are, are so into it just after one game and again uh, uh, just a shootout loss and then everyone's going bananas already. So. Um, I'm sure it's been like that for a lot of people. Text comes in. If you're looking for a professional rodeo athlete, contact Colton Schmidt, Kagan Schmidt, Tate Schmidt. Uh, they are competing in it and at the our Canadian Finals Rodeo contestants this year. Well, that's probably something we're going to be uh, looking at as well. Uh, you can send a, a text again off one 401 1440 or you can uh, email me. Uh, to my personal email right here at uh, Kevin at sports1440.ca. Uh, and this one came in, a lot of comments actually uh, regarding um, our Chris Joseph interview. Uh, this comes in from Steve. Uh, so good to hear Chris Joseph this morning. He is the epitome of class and everything you hope a professional athlete will be when you meet him. Funny, humble, interested in you, great stories, sincere. He came to our restaurant for a hometown hockey segment when it was in Spruce Grove. Such a great guy. Our hearts broke for him and his family when the Humboldt tragedy happened. He's a beauty. That comes from Steve, and I don't think you could probably rate it um, any better than Steve. So appreciate that. Uh, that uh, came to my inbox at Kevin at uh, sports1440.ca. Um, what caught your eye, Duke, on uh, week number three besides the 70-20 to 20 spanking? Denver Broncos just getting it. Yeah, but besides that, I mean, it was um, we had that game on early and then quickly opted for something that was a little more competitive. Um, our good friend, uh, former Rochef T-Bird, Connor Halley's L.A. Chargers <laughs> finally get a win. The Vikings are in a really tough spot. There's only been a few uh, a few teams in the entirety of the NFL history that have started 0-3, uh, been able to come back and make the playoffs. Most recent example was uh, the Texans a, a few years back. But... That game was supposed to be this uh, the offensive shootout, and it, the over did not hit. That was kind of like my one big uh, pick going into the weekend. I, I made out okay on a few other bets, mm-hmm. but it, turnovers in the red zone, uh, what the Vikings were doing there on that final drive, uh, no timeouts left. They had plenty of time to spike the ball and get a good play drawn up there and first and goal. They instead rush it. Ball bounces around, interception. You know, that's that, that happens. I'm not blaming the interception per se, but just the – um, the urgency, mm-hmm. I guess, wasn't really there for the offense or maybe too urgent because they had plenty of time just to stop the clock and move. But uh, the Bears continue to look terrible. I was hoping for a little bit of a bounce back from them. and But best of all, my Texans, first win of the what season. What happened to them? What happened? They, uh, the, they've had Jacksonville numbered going back a number of years now, even yeah. as Jacksonville's kind of started to turn the corner. Um, Blake Bortles, I believe, was the quarterback the last time the Jags beat Houston uh, at home, like when Jacksonville was at home. So that's that's going back a number of years now already, too. And, yeah, C.J. Stroud looks like the real deal. Tank Dell um, <laughs> continues to impress uh, in his rookie season. I'm I'm liking the Chargers. Will Anderson blocked a field goal. 
um, the third overall pick that they made, they traded up for. So yeah, things are things are good down in H Town. Uh, I'm I'm excited for tonight's game to see if the Buccaneers are in fact for real and Baker Mayfield can sustain what he's put together through a couple of weeks. Um, big test against the Eagles, though. Of course. Did, great did you team. tell me to put uh, Nico Hollins in and Damian Pierce on the bench for the Texans? Not this week, but you told me the week prior to put the week prior. Leave Damian Pierce in and put Nico Collins on the bench. So that, that would have been good this week. Yes. The week before, it would have been good the other way. Yeah. So I, so I should just do the opposite of what you're saying. I tell a lot of people that, actually, when they ask me for, uh, for a f- little bit of fantasy advice, even on Fantasy Frenzy from 11 <laughs> to 12 with Connor Halley, we say, take everything we say with a grain of salt. It yeah. is just just our opinions. We, we watch a lot of the games. We do some research, and we talk to these great guests that we have on and get their insight as, as professional analysts on the fantasy side of things. But at the end of the day, it's still a sport, and it's the the last great reality television that you can view because you really cannot predict what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Look at what happened to the Cowboys losing to the lowly Cardinals, who uh, have a surprising amount of spunk for a team that looks like kind of looked like they were going to be tanking for Caleb Williams this season. All of a sudden, they uh, they upset a team that was heavily heavily favored. Yeah, you have to again. It's tough to be a prognosticator for these games. For, did you ever see that show with Matthew McConaughey? Uh, two for the money, I think it was called. No, I don't think oh, so. Oh, there's another. Uh, did you get to watch the replacements yet? Oh man, Duke, you're just killing me, man. I was I was back home farming uh, on Saturday, fixing uh, fixing up some old junk combines and stuff, and uh, then back home and like uh, Sundays, I don't do anything but watch football. Yeah. And uh, I, in a way, I kind of wish I'd ended up watching the replacements instead of that Sunday night game because it was bit of another snooze fest both those teams can't seem to get out of their own way sometimes <laughs> but um it's still on the list at the top of the list uh text comes in from brandon how about the oregon duck mascot losing its head mocking prime time that was on saturday that was an early game right yeah that yes was the, uh, like, middle middle of the middle day of affair the day, and uh, yeah, yeah tough weekend for the state of colorado overall the uh, the buffs get their doors blown off yeah. by oregon kind of bringing things back down to earth in terms of expectations for that program. I, I'm not going to like sit here and lambast Coach Prime. He's still got things on the right track and everything, but that's what happens when you actually go up against a legitimate yes. opponent and Oregon spanked him. Um, but Colorado State won this weekend, uh, so that's the probably only positive to draw after, like we just said, the Broncos got embarrassed on Sunday too. So tough weekend down in uh, the Mile High State. What about this text coming in? If you are the New York Jets, how do you not acquire Kirk Cousins? Uh, it's a legitimate question. I mean, especially now Minnesota's 0-3. As you said, one team 0-3 in the last, whatever, 100, I think it's been, that have been 0-3 have made the playoffs. Um, if there's a team I think that probably could turn it around, it is the Vikings. The division is there. You're going to play Chicago here. Um, Detroit is okay still, but I mean, I think you can beat Detroit for sure. Green Bay has its weaknesses. So if you can win your division games, there's still a chance, I think, out of all the teams, I think that's 0-3 that we've seen, I think the Vikings could do it, but uh, the texture's got a good point about the Jets. Oh yeah, the, this rumor's been bantied around here is basically since the moment um, Rodgers went down about what quarterback to bring in. Cousins is an intriguing one because even still after the loss again, is mm-hmm. statistically he's playing well it's just a matter of situation and and this is kind of a bit of a tilting of the pendulum for the Vikings because last season they won all these close games and one score games and they were um record wise winning the division a great record despite having like a very poor um score differential like uh, points for and against uh, when you compare it to some other teams that were uh, didn't have as many wins it's it's just flipped back the other way so you just kind of got to ride it out mm-hmm. like you said the Vikings are a team that certainly has the talent 
to dig themselves out of this hole. If if this were to continue, say come week eight, which I, when I believe the NFL trade deadline is, if all of a sudden the Vikings are still out of it, um, the problem is the Jets can't really afford to wait that long no. um, because they need to they have to do something now. I I don't actually think you can put Zach Wilson out there again next week. Um, whether it be bringing in one of these veteran free agents, making a trade for somebody's backup here. The Jets got to do something because all of a sudden this season looks like it uh, might be lost before it even started. You look at all these quarterbacks the Jets have had. Like, I mean, Zach Wilson, again, he, he is what he is. Uh, Sam Darnold, I mean, you had the all these high, high picks. And then you see a guy like Brock Purdy. And then you go, what are we doing? I mean, Brock Purdy again, I mean, that was last Thursday. But all he does is win. He wins these games. That's all you, And he doesn't turn the ball over, very rarely. So let your defense just don't take yourself out of the game. And that's what Brock Purdy does. When you got it, and the Jets defense, it may be statistically not as good as the 49ers, but it's a damn good defense. So if you can just play that game, don't turn the ball over. It, I mean, at least you can be in the game. But with Zach Wilson, I don't think you can win those games. You can be in them, but you can't win them. Um, yeah, the, the Jets kind of facing where the Broncos were at last year, <laughs> despite the, the Broncos defense now looks terrible. But last year, the defense held, like if the Broncos had scored 17 points. In every game last year, they would have had a winning record. I think they might have even been in a playoff spot. I don't have the the exact stats in front of me, but mm-hmm. like 17 points a game, that's not a very big ask from an offense, especially one that had just paid Russell Wilson all that money. But now the Jets are kind of in a similar spot where their defense, it is going to keep you in games and, and do some damage. Um, the problem is now the the Dolphins look so good. The Bills are still going to be the Bills. Yeah. They lost the Patriots for the 15th, 15th straight time. Like, you're going to have a hard time getting a winning record in your own division, let alone in this loaded AFC. So whether they bring in a new quarterback or not, I think it's uh, lights out already for the Jets. And it's kind of, you know, they still got a good young roster on both sides of the ball, uh, talented guys. So I think it's just take a step back and already be looking ahead. Uh, we touched about that Miami, you know, just an absolute butt kicking uh, to Denver. Uh, just want to touch on those two running backs again. Devon Chain, 233 scrimmage yards. Raheem Mostart, 142. So they are the second pair of teammates in NFL history to score, each score four touchdowns in the same game. Uh, Kansas City's Derek Blaylock and Priest Holmes did it in 2004. Um, The numbers that they put up yesterday, uh, just insane. And to see, I mean, Mostart's 31 years old now. Everyone's saying he was done. Doesn't look like it by far. No, yeah, they they got a great balanced attack and and it's not like even like the rookie A chain, it's not like his yeah. stuff came in garbage time. He was he scored the second and third touchdowns of the game or, or third and fourth, pardon me. So it's like and Jeff Wilson's still on the IR. They've got they're going to have to make some decisions in terms of uh deployment and and touches in the pretty near future because mm-hmm. Wilson's the guy they brought in from that San Francisco system um to now pair with Mostert and yeah. uh, and a chain. He uh, and he's four game. He was on the four game. Right? I believe on the yeah. pop list. Yeah. yeah. So I think so. week five he should be back. But well, it's going to be some interesting times uh, moving forward here in the NFL for sure. Uh, once again, Elks are on a bye week. Next game for them is October the sixth when they visit the uh, Toronto Argonauts uh, in the big smoke. Uh, just one loss on the season for Toronto. Top of the hour, we will check in with uh, Jeff Baker from the Seattle Times. Uh, we will uh, discuss the Seattle Kraken. And actually, to be honest, a little more insight with us now because Grant Fuhr doing uh, Coachella Valley um, Firebirds color, that's the farm team. So uh, Grant threw out a couple names already that we will discuss uh, with Jeff. And then at 10.20, 
Pete Peters, one of the all-time greats. Uh, we will uh, talk with the uh, former NHL goaltender. That's coming up at 20. First up, here's a sports update with the Duke.